Oh, hey, Sam. How are you? I'm doing okay, man. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, Not we should too probably sh- just shabby. We should probably just like burst on into tweets in case they take up half the episode again. <laughs> again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got places to be and things to do. Yep. Um, sure. Well, f- first I believe off, you. <laughs> this wasn't a tweet, but it's something that we should probably mention because it happened like just after we recorded, and last week we did a Star Wars episode. But David Prowse died. Um, who was the original Darth Vader? He played Darth Vader for the oh, original three yeah. movies. Um, so that's super, that. that's super sad because obviously James Earl Jones does the voice, but the physical performance was David and it's... Um, mm, the body. And like 50, like, well, 50% of Darth Vader's, like, you know... Presence. Uh, presence is entirely in his look and, um, and mm. uh, movement. Um, yeah. It, it's, a, it's, it's strange because I don't... I don't think a lot of people will... Like, people will know that it wasn't James L. Jones in the suit, but a lot of people won't know who this person is. I know our audience is probably skewed towards people who would. But it's um, also one of those things where you don't really think about the performance. You're like, who's Darth Vader? Mm, James L. Jones. James L. Jones. Uh, actually, Hayden Christensen also passed out of the... <laughs> he did wear the suit in... <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Um, so, admittedly, Hayden Christensen did a pretty good job embodying Vader in that. Sure. Um, another follow-up I have before we get to tweets... Um, yes. ...is Bob listened to our last episode. Right. And he, uh, he he sent me a message explaining the fan theory as to why a struggled to beat the magistrate... Oh, fuck. Spoilers. For The Mandalorian. <laughs> I might put an edit that last episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Just Um, bleep out. Yeah, um, and so now I've said spoilers. Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, now I've said spoilers, I can say Ahsoka uh, without bleeping it. Um, (laughs) Is because Jedi usually are deflecting laser bolts or fighting other lightsabers, and lightsabers themselves Mm. have no weight in them, right? in the blades, mm. their energy. So when you come across something that is a solid piece of metal that you, the lightsaber can't cut through, that's going to absolutely fucking kill your wrists um, mm. and is going to be an unusual type of combat um, that that Ahsoka's not used to. But also, like we said on the episode, Ahsoka wasn't trying to kill her, so yeah. that also makes a huge difference. And apparently... The Magistrate is from a planet that, in Legends canon, is largely inhabited by witches. Interesting. Um, so, she is... And, and the but same... I don't know does if she there's weigh, a character with her name. Does she weigh as much as a duck? <laughs> that's uh, burn the what, witch! Well, that's what we need to find out. <laughs> Goddamn. Uh, um, but, yeah, the, so... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, just that she's probably got her own um, magical powers and has been trained in uh, probably the dark side of the Force. In if she's worked under Thrawn and um, and yeah, though like the witches of that planet generally use the dark side of the Force to basically do magic. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So whether or not she can is a whole other story, but um, yeah, she's not just a you know, a relatively old woman with a stick. 
Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. The one other bit of follow-up I have... Well, this is just a bit of interesting news. Um, did you see that Water Brothers is releasing everything on HBO Max next year? Which I'm conflicted about. Um, mm. Partly because I don't have access to HBO Max. And because in, you know you're gonna sell, the they're going to sell the, the rights to Foxtel. Yeah, almost definitely. Just so everyone knows, if you live in Australia, um, don't get binge. Because it's just owned by Foxtel. It's Foxtel now rebranded. Fuck Rupert Murdoch. Fuck him right off. Don't give him a cent. Anything yeah. that is on binge or Foxtel, torrent it. <laughs> yeah. well, we need to reach out to a VPN because nearly everyone on YouTube <laughs> is getting ad sponsorships from a VPN. And like VPNs are really good at like, yeah, making sure that you can um, yeah, get access Cal, to content from other places. Any, don't, don't spruik any... I'm not giving any specific names. <laughs> I'm not giving any specific names, but I would be very... Very I, okay with spruiking a particular Personally, one. I am a big advocate for paying for content. Um, paying for the things yeah. you consume. If it's yeah. available... Unless... I was going to say, unless <laughs> these c- production companies in the U, um, the US and the UK are selling their shit to the dog company that is Foxtel that for so long has dominated the Australian marketplace. And as soon as they weren't, like, lashed out trying to get these other companies blocked. Um, so support mm. Stan, support Netflix. Um, but, yeah, don't get Foxtel, don't get Binge. Take a stand. Don't read the Herald Sun, obviously. Anyway. I mean, you can't... If, if you're going to not support anything that Rupert Murdoch's involved with, you can't watch TV in Australia, you can't read any newspapers, you can't do anything. Uh, you like, can read some papers, but not the Herald mm. Sun. Um, I think the Australian is also owned by him. Queensland is really bad for it. He basically owns <laughs> all media in Queensland, which is really bad. Independent Australia is not a bad source for your news if you want to not have to sell your soul to get it. Um, Point is, I yeah. If, if you want content in particular, uh, yes. yeah. There's, there's always the one-legged binge. man down by the bay. There's always um, there's always physical media wherever it's possible. There's always but um, like VPNs to access it from other countries. Rent something on the PlayStation Store or, or on the on the on an Super Apple cheap. TV. Like there's it's like oh. five bucks to rent it. Yeah, to rent a movie. Um, it's cheaper than it would have been to like drive to a video shop and do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I'm a big advocate for that. Again. Don't get binge. Um, and on that note, yeah, HBO Max is getting everything, which I'm also conflicted about. Like, because I'm okay with it, but I hope what it does, because what it should do is reduce the cost of um, movie theatres actually getting access to those movies. Like, the distribution costs for those movies in cinemas should drop because everyone can watch them at home. So... And I think it that's a make big worry. To those movies cheaper, is that it's it's one hundred percent not going to do that. So I all think it's going to do is is tank the box cin- office for um, those movies. Yeah, for those movies, and and make it so that way, basically, no cinema wants to show any Warner Brothers movies in their cinemas. Potentially, the thing is, I, I under, and it's also not obviously HBO Max isn't worldwide. They might be launching it in Europe. But HBO has so many messy contracts in places like the UK, 
in Australia. Um, that there's no way HBO Max is ever going to come to these countries, at least not for another like decade. Um, I mean, that is what we said originally about Netflix, though. Yeah, Netflix took half a decade to come to Australia. Well, and and it took a long time to get good once it did get here. But um, but yeah, I don't think it's entirely impossible. I think we'll see a version of it. Um, but um, but yeah, I just I hope that someone sees reason and goes, well, we're going to lower the, distrib- the distribution costs for these cinemas um, so that way they still show them and um, and then other companies have to follow suit. Yeah. Otherwise, there's there's an actual difference between going and seeing the Warner Brothers family movie over Christmas time and whatever Disney brings out because Disney's tickets might cost twice as much. But that's just not what's going to happen. They'll all cost the same and people will go, well, let's go see the Disney movie because we can't get that one on the streaming service. So we'll go see the Disney mm. movie and then we'll go home and watch, I don't know, yeah, Zack Snyder's HBO Justice one. League. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in saying that, a little spruik for VPNs again, I mm. am able to watch HBO Max and mm. it's pretty good. <laughs> like... It's got all the DC stuff. Like, I've been able to watch, like, a bunch of their animated movies. I watched All-Star Superman the other day. Um, yeah. And they're getting all the DC originals, so Titans go in HBO Max. Titans, nice. sorry. Um, <laughs> I think Swamp Thing's on there. The Harley Quinn animated series, which hopefully gets yep. a third season. All the DC stuff, yeah. Yeah, but they've also... Warner Brothers has a huge library, so they've got things like the Die Hard movies, um... What, Others they'd absolutely have the greatest movie of all time, uh, Looney Tunes back in action. I d- I definitely one hundred percent watched that the other day on HBO Max. Because <laughs> yes. you hadn't watched it this week, correct? And I was getting <laughs> withdrawals. <laughs> oh god damn it! That movie anyway, is a genuine masterpiece. I love it. Um, yes. Uh, so with the thing with HBO Max is we're gonna have to just wait and see how it plays out. I think because um, yeah. it's going to be interesting but um it could kill cinemas what it's probably going to do is kill big cinema chains i think small cinemas that cinemas like the sun um theater in yarraville for instance um in melbourne is built entirely around the experience of the cinema it's like come see this movie on actual rolls of film you know come sit Mm. in these luxurious um you know old style re uh you know uh refurbished cinema screens eat these yeah. homemade chalk tops with the best popcorn mm. you've ever had mm. like that's why you go to oh. the sun theater so those cinemas yeah. that are all that are built on the experience and they show mm. films that aren't necessarily those big blockbusters films you don't have a way to watch otherwise uh nova in carlton in melbourne is also a great example of that um i think those cinemas will survive this but places like yeah. in the but, but cinemas like um and I actually, I think Village and Hoyts are probably going to be okay in Australia too because at least in the regions they're in that, you know, I've gone to those cinemas in because they also are built on the experience. You know, they're like, come to our cinema and sit in these huge theatres with big luxurious seats. But yeah. Cineworld in the UK, AMC in the US are just mm. these cheap, big conglomerate companies that have just... Mm that their stocks have tanked. They haven't done anything to improve customer experiences. Um, yeah. So they're just going to die 
and I Cineworld shut down before in the UK before the second lockdown even came into play. They're like, we've lost so much money trying to show to show to net. Um, Fucking hell! <laughs> and and James Bond's now being delayed, so that's it. We're just shutting all our cinemas down, and it we're yet to be seen if they even open again. So uh, I think it's we're in for an interesting interesting next couple of years to see the ramifications mm. of all this. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, people are talking about, like, drive-in theatres coming back. And, like, I wish it was the case, but I don't think that's going to stick around. I, I'll i be interested to see if they stick around. I wish I could go to a drive-in theatre right now. It would be... It just s- requires so much space. You need... And you need a big car. You need, Or not a big car, but you need a comfortable car. You imagine sitting mm. in my Mini for two hours watching a movie? Yeah, fuck that. I mean, I'm not sitting in your mini for like a half hour drive. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad if it's two people in the front seat, but as soon as hmm. as soon as you got more than two people, that's like it's like nah, I'm out. You wouldn't take uh, you wouldn't take someone on a date to the drive-in in a mini, like uh, yeah, there's just no point. Well, what you want, you want a big, you want a you want a fal- like you want um a Falcon station wet. You want to you want to be able to lie the back seat like down, a bench seat across the front. Uh, or no, the big. You want the big seat. You want the big. You want to face the back of the car. Open the. Yeah. Open the rear upwards. Yep. Blankets mm. and pillows in the back. It's like a bed. Yeah, man. That was my childhood. Yeah, mine too. Going to see. I remember watching like... Chicken Little in that. <laughs> I remember seeing Harry Potter in that. Oh, yeah. I remember and not watching. Being able to see it, anything. I was going to say. I remember watching Harry. Dark. I remember watching Harry Potter. Five Order of the Phoenix, yeah, in a in a drive-in. I was like, this is a horrible experience. I can't see a yeah. fucking thing. But the right movie with the right people yeah. at a drive-in, it's totally cool. Yeah. yeah, like cartoony like kids movies. Like I saw yeah. the Iron Giant there. A big um, bright and, yeah. movie. Yeah, at, at a drive-in, great. totally cool. Like something like Into the Spider-Verse would be sick at a cinema, or even like an oh, yeah. old action movie. Watching like an Independence Day or a Jaws. Yeah, that would be Jaws that'd would be, be cool. good. Yeah, um, just makes me think of that. And we have it's yeah, fifteen we have minutes in. <laughs> have we actually got any tweets? Because we yes, haven't covered we've any. got so many. Oh shit! All right, rapid fire, Sam. Go. It's actually not that many. We've got five. Um, Don't first care. tweet rapid is fire, from go. at Riley is good. It said mid ep tweets. I've not caught up Yay. on the Mandalorian, so probably won't have many. But I also did really like the incidental representation in New Mutants. It was just a diverse movie for no greater reason, which is nice. Um, mm. Yeah, and the more I've like thought about the New Mutants, I'm like, the more I, I like all those characters and wish we were seeing them again. Um, yeah, because yeah, that that was one of the bits I liked. It was representation, not for like the sake of representation. It was just these are the people who are here and they are who they are. Mm. I'm like, cool. I back it. Yeah, doesn't um, have to say anything particular about that group of people at all. It's just, yeah, it's just he, here's a whole bunch of characters who happen to be different ethnicities to each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the next tweet from Riley is good. Says binging is definitely a terrible way to consume TV shows. I say having watched <laughs> having watched Queen's Gambit in one sitting last night because I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> Because I think that is the thing. Like there are there are definitely shows that are better for it, and there are times in your life that are better for binging. 
Yeah. Um, but I think big, intense, heavily plot-driven things are not good for that, partly because what you want to be able to do is discuss them with people as they happen. Well, it depends like, on how long you want people to remember your show. If you release mm. it week to week, people are talking about that show for the amount mm. of weeks you're releasing it. And people remember individual episodes and they discuss those individual episodes. When mm. something, again, I think we spoke about last week, something like Daredevil, um, I can't remember an individual episode in that show. And Yeah, exactly. And you talk about the season as a whole for like a week and then you're like, when season two... And you got to, like, it's like fucking a year away. So it kind of mm. loses momentum. Mm. And, yeah. the, like, a weekly release works really well for something like Game of Thrones, which yeah. can get exhausting if you binge too many at a time. Like, it's mm. good. You want to get it, into it's it. It's an event when it comes out once a week. Yeah. You go to like, house and watch it together. I was going to say, for the last season, I had, air, I had this big, a big group of people around and watch it with because we're like, it's, yeah, it's so we every could all week. Yeah, we at it together. Yes! <laughs> I didn't realise that's what the week would become, but uh, but over the course of that last season, I'm like, fuck me, I've sunk way too much time into this show and I regret all my life choices, and I've made half the people here watch this show and I'm going to get chewed out for it. Also, I'm pretty sure at this point we're talking about a tweet that is in response to our last uh, <laughs> tweet reading, so we should just move, we need to move on. Yeah. Uh, the next tweet is from Matt Flint Monkey, and it's one of yep. the worst hot takes I've ever seen, and you're going to agree with it. <laughs> you're going to agree with it. Oh, uh, what is it? Uh, so, at Flint Monkey said, Mandalorian thought, I'm starting to feel the popularity of Baby Yoda is making him too much of a focus, and as much as I love the little guy, it takes away from who is supposed to be the central character and is making him less interesting. Okay, I don't know if I agree with every aspect of that, but I generally agree that this show needs less Baby Yoda. When this the season so far has been has spent most of its time just putting him to the side for the sake of getting like Mandalorian to do things himself. Um, yeah, like then Baby Yoda is now is like a detriment to the plot. So I completely disagree, and um. I had a discussion with Bob, and Bob also completely disagrees. So, as far as I'm concerned, I win the argument on that merit. But well, let just me just because Bob agrees with yeah, you. Yeah, Bob also liked episode nine when he when he first walked out of the cinema. Well, <laughs> the more he thought about it, the more he was wrong. The well, I, I was I was quicker on the uptake of how much I didn't like episode nine. Um, <laughs> I literally booed. <laughs> Um, I was, like, physically <laughs> repulsed by that movie by the end. Oh, my God. Anyway. Oh my God. But I enjoyed watching it the second time with you, watching your responses. It, I memed oh. it the second time, so it was fine. I get a different kind <laughs> of enjoyment out of that movie now, so it's God fine. Damn it. Here's the thing with Baby Yoda. If you take Baby Yoda yep. away, what is the show? A compelling space western. No, because what's compelling about the show now? Because you care about Mando and you care about the people that he comes across. Like, yes, it's... yes, but you ca- but Mando as a character is is has become compassionate through his um through his compassion and his interactions with um Grogu. 
I, the show, see, I would disagree because most of the time what he's doing is going, stop eating that woman's babies, you fucking monster. <laughs> Sit over here while I save you and, and just don't die. Like, most of the time, all he's doing is, like, like if they just locked Baby Yoda in a lead box and, and like, had him just carry him around like it was a dog in a container, like, the, nothing would have changed from the season so far. Okay. That's you why, seen the that's latest why you episode, could just get rid of you? Me. No, I haven't seen the okay. latest episode. I've, I've seen up to episode five. So probably episode should down. watch that latest episode. Um, Fair enough. And thing, I... And I think, that, yeah, because, like, the, the main plot is moving, you know, to where Baby Yoda needs to go. And that's fine. But get him there. Get him off my fucking ship. And then, so we can move on. But here, all right, here's my counter argument. But uh, multiple characters in a show and how they interact is what shows are. Um, yes. And I think having him and Baby Yoda be this, like, duo that go around the galaxy together is fine. And I don't think Baby Yoda makes him less interesting because he... Yeah, no, I I don't agree with that. And him learning to, like, teach Baby Yoda and... or Grogu, um, I think is going to be the ultimate, like, where this show ultimately goes. Saying get rid of Baby Yoda is like saying get rid of um, River Toe from Firefly. Just get rid of her. That's exactly what I was going... That's the exact example I was going to use. Just just get rid of her. You don't need her for, like, most of the story. Yeah, you don't. You're right. But she is the heart of the show. No, she's not. <laughs> like, the, the heart of the you, show is Kel. literally every you. other character. I hate you. You know what was the Matt. worst part of Firefly? You know what was the worst fucking thing in Firefly? It was the goddamn movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, Probably, yeah. Yes! She wasn't the oh. worst part of it. She was really good in it. Oh, but you know who's better? No, the everybody worst, else. The worst part like of Serenity was too much backstory, too much context, too many answers about the and wrong too much things. Like, yeah, about like the Reavers and shit, and how that's all integrally linked to River. Like yeah. River is the most boring part because she's not even really a character. She just turns up, saves the right people with her magical powers and doesn't say anything and is, in fact, a fucking monster. She's exactly the same as Baby Yoda and I just want less of them both. <sighs> I stand by that, Hunte. No, no, you're both so wrong. I want to, I like, call Bob so he can yell at you. <laughs> but, like, it would be fine, right, if, like, the season was get River to where she needs to be have an emotional goodbye, maybe a big send-off action sequence, and then move on. Tell different stories with these characters that we like. And the the same should happen with Baby Yoda. Get him to the Jedi, end it. Like, get get Mando in having more interesting interactions with all the other characters that he can actually speak to and interact with. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Bob here. The growing God bond damn. between Mando and Grogu is um, and how that's changed Mando's values, worldview, and purpose um, is what makes the show interesting at the moment, basically. Um, I entirely disagree. And Grogu is what <laughs> leads everything in the story. And yes, but but and without him, what do you do? Else. Do you go back to just bounty hunting? It could be anything, man. 
Like, the job of, like, getting that frog's eggs to that planet could have been an entirely independent job without Baby Yoda. Yes. Baby Yoda but- brought nothing to that to that episode. Sure, to that individual episode. But were you saying yeah, but- get rid of the character because he's not useful in every episode? Like no, lots I'm of saying shows. That, I'm saying that get him to where he needs to go, get him out of the show, and move on to other things. Like, anyway, we are 25 minutes in and we haven't even played the music yet. And we're still... We never even finished the tweets. We cannot go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Unless we're just going to become You're a show that just reads tweets. So wrong. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just want to say you're so wrong. I get what you're let's saying, Let's make next but... week's episode, let's just talk about this. That's fine, but we need to move on. <laughs> we'll make next week's episode your execution. Um, God damn it. The next tweet, for fuck's sake, Matt, is from at Flint Monkey, and it says... <laughs> <laughs> no, because talking about It says rabbit, something stupid, moving on. <laughs> since I love to hear Cal's brain explode, that Doctor Who oh. trailer, am I right? I haven't seen it. All right, well, then we can move on. Good, because um, I do- Jack oh. Harkness is back, anyway. Of course um, he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. And then Flint Monkey's final tweet is, Grogu's going to be one of the students Kylo Ren murders in Luke's temple, calling it now. Absolutely <laughs> not. There's no way that's going to happen. Yeah, I highly doubt that. They're not Maybe he's gonna... a knight of Ren. <laughs> he is all of them. No, he <laughs> finds another group of baby Yodas and they're all standing on each other's shoulders. <laughs> and that's all the Knights of Ren. They'd be more interesting. It would than the nothing character he is now. Correct. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about Yoda. the Knights of Ren. You meant the yeah. Knights of Ren. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, hashtag cancel Cal. That's the end of the tweets. Uh, wonderful. All right. Then I guess we can play the music. Welcome to the Video Shop Podcast about reading fucking tweets for half an hour. My name's Cal, and I'm your host. <laughs> and I'm Sam. Um, yeah, admittedly, Sam. that wasn't all tweets. Only like 10 minutes of that was tweets. The other 15 <laughs> minutes was us getting sidetracked. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're talking about Tenet. And fuck you yes. if you pronounce it Tenet. It's not Tenet. That would be T-E-N-N-E-T. Which would have been fine, but it, it's just... It's T-Net. It's just... It's Tenet. Yeah, I, I agree. You don't pronounce T... You don't pronounce it like David Tenant. It's Tenet. <laughs> Tenet. There's no second N. Tenet. And I agree. Fuck you if you pronounce it like David Tenant. Um, but... Um, I honestly... I just don't care. But we're going to get tweets um, well, it's It's the Tenet of a faith. It. It's, a, it's a sort of... Like it's it's a it's a factor in it's a it's a rule for it's yeah it has it is a word it's mm. not just something that Christopher Nolan made up yeah um, spoilers yes what, so what what did you think Cal I found this movie so unbelievably boring <laughs> <laughs> for the first ninety eight percent of it. <laughs> That and is a huge so percentage comple- of it. And so completely predictable for the other 2%. <laughs> that 
Like, because uh, a lot of people are talking about this the same way that they talked about Inception. Like, oh, this is so hard to understand. You've really got to think about it. And it's like, I don't, I don't think I that don't, is... I don't see people saying that. Uh, I mean, fair enough. I mean, I, I, I guess I've taught, I've, I've, heard, I've, bleh, I've watched reviewers talk about it like this is what people said about Inception and blah, blah, blah. so may, may, maybe I'm mis... I don't know. Like, I was expecting that though. I was expecting like you just have to pay attention to every little thing, otherwise you're an idiot, and no one's going to take your opinion on it seriously. Yeah, I found that my my problem with this is that. I was so unengaged with the characters, so completely disconnected from the film as a human being trying to connect with other fictional human beings that I, I didn't like care. You said other fictional human beings, implying you are a fictitious uh, human being? Did you not know, Sam? You've been recording this podcast alone. Oh, my God. <laughs> since, since the beginning. Blam. It's like it's the Twisting Fight Club. I'm both of us just doing a I voice. Can't God damn it. Um, yes. Um, yes, I, yeah. What, what did you think? I, I didn't have such a uh, harsh reaction to the movie. Um, mm. I see a lot of people, and I'm going to refer to a tweet we got um, a couple of weeks ago from at Flint cool. Monkey to say, that said, to save you the worst two and a half hours of your life, Tanet was... T-Net, whatever, fucking whatever, was absolute <laughs> overrated garbage, pretentious, overcomplicated nonsense. Um, and I don't agree with that. And actually, all right, let me clarify. I agree to an extent that it was pretentious, but I counterpoint that with all Nolan's movies are a little bit pretentious. So I, oh, went, in, I went into it expecting it to be pretentious, so that didn't upset me. Mm. Um, yeah. What I did I guess... find, though, I was actually mm. completely... I had the exact opposite reaction you did to the characters. So you didn't connect to them at all, and I didn't, like, relate to them or connect to them. But what I found incredibly interesting was watching how... Th- learning about them by what they do. Because mm, um, they don't... Because like, they don't, there isn't anything else. There's, there's no, no just casual interaction between anybody. Well, and it got me thinking, and then I, I found a video essay by who was it? Um, uh, full fat videos. Um, okay, yeah, they do pretty good stuff. They do pretty good stuff. I don't agree with everything. Um, no, they do because you know you never agree with everyone on everything. Um, but mm. they do some really, um, really interesting videos and. Uh, he did one called The Situation is Enough and I found it really interesting to think of the movie through the perspective of you don't the character has no backstory everything you know about the character is entirely determined based on the actions they take Um, and it made me start thinking about other movies where if the character didn't have backstory it would be improved Um, and it made me think Mm. of The Rise of Skywalker because of course Giving yeah. Ray the backstory of Palpatine made her character far less compelling than mm. a character with no backstory. Um, yeah, but and we, we can't go down that rabbit hole again. No, we can't. But I found, but but thinking about that, I'm like Ray as a character would have been very interesting if Ray was just a person, and all we know about her 
is what she does. The actions she chooses to take in The Force Awakens is what makes her an interesting character, rather than anything we know about her past. Mm. If they hadn't put all the bullshit mystery boxes in, (laughs) then that could have been super compelling. Sam, Um, Sam, you nearly stepped in that rabbit hole. (laughs) My foot is lodged. Lodged. I'm trying to yank it out, Cal, but it's firmly stuck in there. Um, Um, Well, here's my, like... So yeah, so let me to to, to yeah. finish finish my point. I found yeah, go go go. The, what was interesting about the protagonist in internet and um, <laughs> what was his name? Neil Robert Badenbat. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was interesting about their characters was less about uh, who they were before and what just what they are doing, the actions they take and the things they the way they interact. Um, I actually found super compelling once they met. Before that, I was a little bit... It was a little... I was like, what am I... I had the kind of a similar reaction you did. I'm like, what am I investing in here? Hmm. Well, and so what I was expecting is, uh, like, what the trailer sold me, which is lots of crazy action set pieces where the characters are moving backwards through it. And and some characters are moving forwards, some are moving backwards, and how those things interact. That takes up a probably like fifteen minutes of the total runtime. It's not a huge the, lot of it, no. The, but most of the movie is just a normal ass spy movie. Like it's a, um, it's a James Bond or a bloody Mission Impossible just spy story. Yeah, I would agree with that to to, to an extent. And also the the interaction with. Um, I can't remember the actress's name or the character's name. Cat, I think, is the character's name. The, yeah. the, the, the female protagonist in this, where um, it's a really, like, intimate story with her. Yeah. And, and the involvement of her with the main character, who is known only as the protagonist, because this is a Christopher Nolan film, Yeah. Um, is, like, it's implied that there's a deeper connection there, but because of this character's job it's they can never explore that so it's basically told to you don't don't expect there to be a romantic spark here but there's a romantic spark here i think it's based on what he's doing it's there's a romantic spark but that's all it can be was what i got out of it which Um, which can be interesting but it goes straight from like okay we need to like help this woman with her like failing marriage um Failing marriage uh, is an interesting way to describe what's happening there, uh, but yes. Sure, but but that's what I mean. Like, it is a really intimate thing with her and her husband Yeah, that's going on. It just so happens that that has, you know, bigger global consequences. So let's send a spy in to crash a plane into the the <laughs> the Swiss bank account that... of of art to help, like, to, to get her off the hook with her crazy husband. But that's like, not why they did that. What well, was to get the um, like? Well, so they he, believe like he it offered was all... to her to get that the the forgery painting that was sort of being used to to blackmail her. Yes, so that was at least part of why they were there. Well, yes, but it's not actually the reason why the painting was. Sure. They knew the they they knew the painting would be where the um what do they call the things that travel back in time um. Inverted, inverted bullets. The inverted bullets. They knew that's also where the inverted bullets would be. 
Um, yeah. So that's why they were using her essentially just to break, to find out where he would be keeping his most valuable stuff. Yeah. And they, yeah. and you know, and that is what led them to the machine. Um, that mm. plane crash was pretty cool though. It they was did it, cool. Because it... they did it for real. They actually crashed a plane into a building, which is sick. That I mean, that is pretty crazy. I was looking for the seams. I was trying to figure out why, like, how they did this, and I gave up. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I guess because, it out they, because really they they just set up a bunch of cameras and then rolled a plane <laughs> into a building. God damn it! Yeah, um, and, uh, like, and that's all like fun, um, but it just sort of seems like we're introduced to this concept. Yeah, and the and the protagonist just goes, "Yep, all right, cool. That's a little weird, but." All right, cool. Like, doesn't question it at all. Like, yeah. I mean, and, he's and, literally and being the shown. The scientist it. looks down. Yeah, the, <laughs> the scientist explaining it looks down the the camera and goes, "And don't think about it, wink, audience, wink." <laughs> when I say that, I mean you, wink. Well, it's one of those things though where Brienne was like, it totally enraptured by the concept. Like she was doing because there was a line in it that made her think because. Brienne's a massive nerd, um, so was able like did some mathematic like probability stuff on how it works, um, and I didn't understand anything she was talking about. But the graph she made was pretty cool, and it's how like mathematically how this actually could work. Um, so mm. I again I. Mean- I I, I didn't follow, but it was it, it, it's the technology and the way it's used is very interesting conceptually. Well, and like being a big dumb idiot like I am, mm. it doesn't make a great uh, as we deal both of are. sense. Yeah, it doesn't make a great deal of sense that um, the the reversed bullets, the inverted bullets, were lodged in that bit of stone that they were shooting at in the firing range in the in the thing. Yeah. Like did that whole bit of stone come through the come through the machine well, backwards? Well, so st- and then get set up there backwards? No. So the implication did, was there was a war in the future, like in the far future. Um Yeah. where um where inverted weapons were used and all this stuff remains. So in the future, however they are able to invert stuff, it clearly is on a bigger scale. So the implication yeah, I got right. is so, all the bullets in that wall were inverted and they found this bit of wall with all these bullets in it and when you held a gun up to it and pulled the, an empty gun up to it and pulled the trigger the bullet appeared in the in the um well, got thing. sucked back into the gun yeah. yeah which is but then is that the gun fun. that the bullets were always fired from well that's the thing so it, did they we, find the bit of wall and the gun together he asked, he asked separately the, and bring them together well the gun isn't inverted right just the bullets are but the bullets were always fired from that gun into that wall. In the it future. It had to have been. Yeah, well, they had to end up in that wall at some point. Yeah. But that's where it's kind yeah. of a mindfuck, because obviously... <laughs> because so I guess that, that these items is... always exist. We always interact with those items in the time we do. It's one of those things where it's like destiny... Because they ask the question, so what does that mean for destiny? Uh, mm. Or, or free I... will? Yeah, and it's like I liked that explanation of like, well, that bullet wouldn't have gone into your hand if you didn't like reverse drop it. Yeah, 
Like, like the bullet is still sort of in flux. Time is still moving forward for both of you, kind of, just cause and effect is sort of inverted. Well, because which is not well, the really cause... how they explain anything else working. But yeah, no. But when you see the main characters go back in time, it makes a oh, sorry get inverted. It makes a lot more sense because mm. you see like why the bullet. Because I'm like, well, why would the bullet think it fell out of his hand? It's like, well, from the bullet's perspective, he dropped it on the table. And then um, it goes on backwards. Like, that's from the bullet. Because it's hard to think of an individual item, like a bullet, having a perspective. Because obviously it doesn't. But when you then see the people's perspective of it, it it made more sense to me. It kind of clicked a little bit more. Honestly, I'd watch this again. I think I sort of have to. But the, the bits <laughs> that don't maybe. make sense to me mm. is is things like um, inverted bullets ending up in a non-inverted wall before people walk into the room. Like, at what point did that bullet hole get there? Um, or was it literally always there? It can't well, have been, because they didn't build the wall with the bullet hole in it. Well, that's... Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the hard bit to wrap Yeah, but that, that's the around. bit that doesn't actually make any sense. Yeah, um, cause the bullet so, has like, to end yeah. up there, but it does end up there at some point in the, you know, in the future, the bullet ends up in that wall, but it, it doesn't end up there going forward. It ends up there going backwards. Yeah. So where, at what point is the, that's the thing though. The bullet has to be inverted at some point. So it has to end up in the wall after it's been inverted. Um, yeah. So, but from like, from a normal perspective going like going so the, forward through time, you're the contractor, right? You come in, you build that wall. Yeah. What at what point does the bullet hole appear? So here's what here's what I think my brain doesn't is forgetting is that the bullets aren't inverted, and then you're using inverted bullets as a weapon. You are, and your gun and your bullets are all inverted, and you're firing that around, and that yeah. bullet ends up in a wall. But the bullet but stays wall... inverted even once you return to be normal. That's how it ends up in the wall. The people who are inverted are interacting with those bullets normally. So say yeah, yeah. that bit of wall is from the fight at the end. The people who are inverted mm-hmm. have fired all those bullets normally and they've all ended up in the wall normally. Um, but they've been moving back in, you know, backwards. So when a normal person then interacts with that wall and those bullets, the bullets are still inverted. That's how that works. <laughs> yes, yes. And that does but work. So... That's how it ends up in the wall, because the bullet isn't... You're right, the bullet can't always be in that wall, but that's how it gets there. Someone who is inverted puts it there, and then we interact with this bullet in a really weird, bizarre way. <laughs> and look, maybe, maybe someone can explain it to me better. Uh, it just... You're saying I didn't really... do a good job of explaining it to you, Cal? No, not at all. Um, but but all all of that, right? All of that aside, because it plays so little actual role in in the movie. Like, I feel like if if you take that out, and then mm. you're left with just these character interactions, there's some interesting parts of how um, Robert Pattinson's character interacts with the protagonist. Um, Robert Pattinson, on, I, like, fe- I always forget, theory. is a great actor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I the, know, right? <laughs> the performances in this are all so good. Um, Very good, which, yeah. Which Including is a consistent... Ken Branner, who's just chewing the scenery hardcore. Yeah, which is a which is a consistency across um across Nolan's work, but um yeah, feels like you know worth mentioning. Mm. But yeah, like 
I didn't I just didn't find any of those characters compelling and and then when so much of the plot is supposed to be like relatively intimate about what's going on between this mother and her son and her husband like I just I just didn't care I think those were that was the stuff I cared less about than the other more interesting concepts um I didn't hate it but it is a consistency in Christopher Nolan's work that he's really bad at writing women I don't know what it is um I mean but fair I I I can't think of a particular example of a badly written woman, but I haven't seen that many of his films. Well, even look at the Batman movies. You've got a love interest in the first one who is genetic love interest. She dies in the second one to give the main character motivation um, and to, you know, to to affect Harvey Dent. She has no discernible character in the Batman movies, Rachel. You've got the fantastic Anne Hathaway in Dark Knight Rises as... And she's really just there to be another love interest. She doesn't really do anything. Um, and then Talia Al Ghul's there as well, but I don't remember anything about her. Well, and she is a... And she isn't the... I mean, she just sleeps with Bruce Wayne and then goes, actually, I'm the bad guy behind everything. <laughs> like, oh, Yeah, but that movie was bad. I yes, think that movie was bad. take away from this. Um, um, but the other two were... And I've, I've found consistently um, the, the women Nolan writes are not, um, are not brilliant. Elliot Page's character in um, uh, uh, Inception is okay, but even then I couldn't tell you any traits that character has. And I haven't seen Inception. Yeah, well, there you go. So, um, And, like, like, it's fair enough. It is something that I would believe. I... If you had a, if you just pointed me at this movie and said, "See, look at this director who writes, who, who is bad at directing women," or it doesn't, I don't write... even think it's bad at directing women because, again, well, well, great it, performances it, yeah, around the board. Women. But but yeah. writing women is, I don't know what it is. It's just there, there's just something off, and that was present in this. That I found that very evident in this movie. Um, okay. I didn't, Personally. I didn't necessarily notice anything particularly bad about the way she was written or... I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe it was just me, but I... Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I found the character... Compa- like, I think it... Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Maybe it was just overshadowed um, by the um, by the concept. Like, yeah. th- that story. Yeah, I don't know. I just... It was a kind of... That's a such a played out story, though. The woman in, the woman who is staying with, uh, you know, a horrible crime boss for the sake of her son, like that's played. I don't know. I feel like that is played to death. Maybe that was the problem I had with it. Um, I like I mean, that she got in the, on the action at the end and killed him. That was fun, but still. I think, like, I guess, like how cliche it was didn't really bother me. Partly, be- I think, because in the context of Ken Branagh's performance, of just being like the most Bond villainy Bond villain that was ever not in a Bond film, <laughs> like it-, it was, it was way over the top already. So seeing, seeing her, yeah, like get her own back, um, and and know that she was the one who, um who her son was going to see after school. Yeah. 
like, yeah. Like, I assume that's what was going on, is that the kid wasn't being taken back to spend time with him in the end. It was always... He was always just going to spend time with her because he was dead. Yeah. Or I might have got the timeline mixed up there, but... Like, that, that was... That was wholesome. Like I, I, I liked, I liked that aspect of it. But again, like we know as little about her. Like, like there's so little known about her as a person. In the same way, there's so little known about every other character in this movie. I think, like I said, I think what I found really compelling about it was that we learn about these characters through their actions. By the end of the movie, I felt like I knew these characters a lot better than at the, you know. Well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever said because obviously you do. That's every movie, yeah. but yeah, but you know what I mean. I, I know, but what you know you what mean, I mean. But... Like through what well, they've done, I just... feel like I've got a pretty rounded idea of who this person is by the actions they've taken throughout the film. Well, and I and... think I really think mm. I probably should have watched it again before doing this podcast. Maybe, but so like the the protagonist. And and his willingness to sacrifice himself for the sake of other people is literally like told to us. It, it, like like it is shown to us a little bit, but then yeah, he he ends up taking the cyanide pill, waking up on the boat, and having th- another scientist type look down the camera and say, "You were such a good person that you've passed the test and you've unlocked uh, the supernatural ending to your story." And here it's about to play out like. I mean, everything yeah. else about him being a good person, he throws into question as often as possible. Like he says, "No, I would like, I'd be willing to take a a woman or a child hostage, but I don't, I don't want to." Um, and everyone's like, "Oh, you know, this is a capable CIA agent," but it, everyone that he interacts with goes, "I can see right through your disguise. You're not really a billionaire. What are you really after?" Yeah. Oh, that was Michael Caine. But then well, that uh, and when he first meets Cat, she does that to him. Yeah. And when he first meets Robert Pattinson, he's like, "I prefer, um, I prefer soda water." And he's like, "No, you don't. Shut up. <laughs> you prefer <laughs> but, diet coke." Like every he, little thing he says is questioned by other he, people. In hindsight, obviously, that's because um, they knew each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Robert Battenbat knew that. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I feel like with this character, he's putting up this front that everybody else can see through, but we know nothing else about him, so we kind of can't. Yeah. So like, yeah, I what mean, we that's... get from him in the end is confusing. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of get what you mean. Um, and it just, I just found myself like twiddling my thumbs, sort of, you know, glancing at my phone every couple of minutes, just sort of nothing, nothing grabbed me. And like the closest thing was what he said up in like, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, he has a sense of humor. He might be a real person and not just some kind of robot. Well, and those little moments, like when, um, when him and Robert Patterson, um, sorry, Robert Battenbat, I slipped up there. Um, <laughs> don't want to mispronounce that. Oh, geez. That was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> When um yeah, when him and Robert Battenbat are planning the plane heist, that mm. their interactions are often quite funny. Um, they have a lot of there's a lot of humor and a lot of chemistry between those two 
you know, on screen, I, I thought. Um, and I really mm. liked, actually really liked all that segment of the movie. And then the payoff where you see, I also found the, the action beats where he's going backwards. Like, sorry, the, 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 the halfway point was when I kind of got on board the movie. When, because I thought that 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 sequence on the road, mm. where they're all moving forwards and then he comes backwards, mm. I thought that sequence was really good until the car started moving backwards, and I'm like, well, what the fuck's going on here? But then, yeah. once you see him traveling backwards and you see everything from his perspective, like I said, it kind of clicked. I'm like, oh shit, okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and it's super interesting. And he totally fucked it because <laughs> he's like because he's because <laughs> he's playing with shit he doesn't under that he doesn't understand really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to. So yeah. I, in summary, it's not a perfect movie by any means. I actually would watch it again and probably will at some point. It's not. It's not my least favorite Nolan movie. That still goes to The Dark Knight Rises. Um, <laughs> But I was more compelled watching this than I was watching Inception. And mm. I know not many people are going to agree with that. However, it's probably the context I watched it as well. I was expecting this to be a pretentious, horrible nightmare that didn't make any sense. Mm. Um, and I found it to be pleasantly not entirely that. And, but when Inception came out, everyone was like, this is the most thought-provoking piece of cinema you'll ever see. It's amazing. And I got a, pretent- a somewhat pretentious um, but okay action movie. And I kind of had mm. a... It was, it's all about expectation. Mm. Well, and I think that is the thing, because I, I went into this expecting the same sort of fanfare as Inception got. And then on... Yeah, and actually reading about it afterwards, a lot of people were just going... Uh, the characters were boring and it was very uncompelling um, and and were more inclined to blame Nolan for not presenting his ideas clearly enough um, rather than blame the audience for not being smart enough to follow it. Yeah. Um, I, um, I mean, I agree, yeah. I agree with some aspects that it's very... At times, it's very convoluted to follow. Um but for me, that's made me want to watch it again rather than um, completely, you know, th- you know, throw the movie away. Yeah. Because that's all the same. It's the opposite of what shit people said about Inception. They're like, you have to watch it multiple times to get it. Um, and mm. all those fans are like, I don't want to watch Tenet, whatever the fuck you call it, multiple times. That's a wank. You don't get it on one viewing. I don't care. It's pretentious. And that's obviously not all the Nolan fan base. There's a lot of Nolan fans who are still like, it's amazing. Um, mm. But I do find it it, it interesting. Well, it isn't as clear as Inception, though. I probably should say that. This is more convoluted and harder to follow than Inception is. Well, and I just, I didn't find any particular plot point or aspect of the concept particularly hard to follow or anything like that. I just didn't care enough. I guess I was going, I, I kind of felt like I was watching a, um, like a, a new bond film. Like it, it felt like these are good actors giving good performances and a story that I just don't care about. That just leads to an action set piece that I don't care about. Yeah, I mean, and I get that. It does feel very... It feels a little bit Bond at times. 
Although, again, I really like the action sequences and I like how they paid off by playing those action sequences essentially twice um, from different perspectives. I think that actually worked really well and I found really interesting. And the technical aspects of that are incredible. Yeah. Like, just just the choreography of the protagonist fighting himself twice and making things like how it seemed like he was being shot at um, from... Uh, from the forward perspective, whereas really he's like waiting for himself to dodge before yeah. he fires to yeah. suck those bullets up safely so he doesn't kill himself. Yeah, um, it, like, which is w- wild. Yeah, interesting stuff and an interesting way of just going, right, well, this is how you can have an interaction that, um, like, you can talk, you can be your own antagonist because right from the beginning it was fight scene like he gets sucked through the gateway into his own arms to like <laughs> grapple yeah. on the floor yeah um like the fight sequence is already gonna play out the way yeah like there's some interesting stuff there that's that's like fun but yeah again it just mm, it just kind of felt like another like you and i were had the same sort of difference of opinion about the last uh, Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, we did, yeah. Like, I think this is a, a genre thing that I'm just not interested in these, like, I, I know this is a dumb thing to say about a, a, an action se- a movie where the whole point is that time is rewinding sometimes, but when, when you get these, like, <laughs> grounded movies yeah. like this where it's all just... It's a bit like... I know this means nothing to you, but it might mean something to the audience. When... Um, the Division 2 and Destiny came out. So the Division and Destiny came out. They were like both big MMO shooters. I know those One, two games. <laughs> yeah. But so the Division is made by Tom Clancy. So Splinter Cell and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's all like um, sneaking behind cover um, and shooting people with like accurate, like modern day, you know, not too distant future military technology. Destiny is about space wizards from the moon. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's I, like, I, if I mean, I'm going to have, it. yeah, like if I'm going to have my big crazy action set pieces about time rewinding, I'd like make it like put it in an interesting setting. Give me like, give me some interesting characters. And so like when, like when Ken Brenner <laughs> Is, is the most interesting character I've got to work from here. I, I'm, I'm just disappointed. I, I would rather have seen this same thing take place in a, for lack of a better, you know, as I know I sound like a massive basic bitch here, but I, I'd like to see that play out in a Star Wars movie or a, or a Marvel movie or something where there's big fantastical things and fun characters to play with. I think, I, I think, I think you're right. I think this is just a, a difference in genre. This and I, I also love that. And I think we're probably going to get some wild, at least universe bendy stuff, you know, when we eventually get Doctor Strange and, um, mm. and, and, and WandaVision, which is coming mm. out um, next year now. Um, yep. So I, I'm all for all of that. But I also do, as you know, I do enjoy a super grounded story, um, even with a super fantastical element added to flavor it. Mm. Um, I, I, do, I do find that super interesting. Um, mm. So I, I think you're right. I think it is a difference in genre. Um, and obviously, if you didn't like this movie, that is fine. 
Like I don't, <laughs> I don't care if you like this movie or mm. not. And I, if you think it was pretentious, you're right. Um, but I would just point out that again, all Nolan movies are pretentious. So it's, um, mm. it's yeah, just part I guess, of the like, course. Hate is probably the wrong word. If I'm going to give this movie a review, as far as a feeling goes, I was just bored. But... I mean, and that's fair. I, I was also bored for the. Again, I, it's when I couldn't follow it in the early stages. I would say I was bored. Um, mm. Once those things started to fall into place for me, I was I was way more into it. Mm. Um, and I did like things like the um, the the temporal pincer formation being used as like a military tactic yeah of like we know how this is going to go down now so um so we can act accordingly like we've had blue team come back already so red team can yeah um, yeah yeah like that stuff's fun and interesting um but yeah like i get like if this was a video game or, or something where i was having more interactions then it wouldn't matter if the characters were boring or if this was you know, a video with a game bunch of characters I would be awesome. Mm. And I, th- there, what, there was discussion about it. Let me look it up <laughs> real quick. Um, there probably won't it does... be now, based on how the movie's performed. Because what makes more sense, like what what I think is a better version of this movie, um, as crazy <laughs> as this is going to make me sound, um, is uh, the uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Live Die Repeat. Movie mm. with Tom Cruise. Yeah, like I know it's not doing the same thing, but it's a relatively grounded, um, like military, like heist thing with wacky temporal, like time bending elements thrown in there. Um, Edge of but, Tomorrow is not grounded though. I, it, it, no, no, not in the same way that Tenet is. But I, I had I had a much better time with that movie than I did with this one, and not because time always flows forward in the same way, but because we actually get to see characters interacting and changing over time. And yeah. I would argue you do get that internet, but it, it isn't as forefront as it is in something like edge of tomorrow. Edge of tomorrow mm-hmm. though is also is a classic um, day reset movie um, mm-hmm. as in the, the character has to learn a major lesson. Um, that's the point of those movies um <laughs> yeah of every yeah. single one of those movies every single day reset mm. movie is about that um yeah i still need to watch happy death day too but yeah, yeah we should do that there's also a new one out which i've heard good reviews about called freaky have you seen the trailer oh, for that i've seen the trailer but yeah i haven't watched it yet it's not a day reset I... but it's it's a horror take on the freaky friday concept where someone's yeah. killed by a serial killer and then swaps bodies. And I'm like, oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. And, like, I, I think I think this is what I'm looking for, actually. Like, because Tenet was a bit more just, this is hard sci-fi. Yes, Tenet was what hard I'm lo- sci-fi. Whereas what I'm looking for is magical realism. There you go. <laughs> that, and that's fine. And I, I would back magical realism over hard sci-fi most days. Um, mm. But I think uh, there's there's enough room in my heart for both. Although Tenet's never going to make my top ten movies of all time list or anything like that. I just I, I don't did... even think it's going to make my top ten Christopher Nolan films. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Have you Which seen ten Christopher the joke Nolan is movies? That it's his tenth. Uh, well, this is his tenth. That was the joke. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, 
Um, yeah, you can, couldn't you tell? It's got ten in it twice. I see. Ten I in see. the title twice. Um, Interesting historical references, actually, to... Um, uh, to... What's it called? Oh, oh yeah, cool, man. The the Sopera Stone or something? I can't remember what it's called, though. There's a stone where everything is in it. Um, is a palindrome. Mm. You can read the letters vertically or horizontally and they'll make a palindrome yeah. and Tanette is in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I can't remember it now, but yeah. So, Sator Square? Um, yeah, Sator. So, yeah, and it, it's got, um, like, the Ken Brennan's character's last name is in there. Uh, opera uh, is in there. The reverse of Opera was the name of the security agency that was the front for the Tanette um, mm. uh, Alliance, Squad, Justice League, whatever the fuck you would call that. Uh, but yeah, so like, like every word on that palindrome tablet is um, is mentioned in in this movie, and that's that was in Pompeii where Max, the the little kid, was going to go. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And, so there's headcanon theorists out there who are saying that that was something left for him in the future to to be a clue about what's going on. A fucking abstract bullshit clue, if you ask me, but... Not a helpful one. A, a, a better no. clue would be, hey, bruh, this is the go. Yeah. <laughs> also, have you seen the, the fan theories that um, Max grows up to be Robert Pattinson? Uh, no, Robert, that's Robert interesting. Pattinson. So... Yeah, like, because there's two things that Robert Pat- Robert Battenbat had to do for this film. Um, like, one was dye his hair, and the other one was um, put on a regional English accent. Right. Uh, and, and, like, particularly to sound more like the woman who played his mum. Yeah. Or the, the woman who played Cat. Yeah. So the the implication being that he's got the same hair colour as the son and the... And speaks the same way that she does. Yeah, that's so, interesting. I mean, it could yeah, be so, like, and Nolan actually did imply in an interview that Neil's not his real name. So, mm. and also, if you take Maximilian and reverse the last few letters of it, you get Neil. Oh, is the idea that he's tenetted his own name? Very good. He's inverted it. In in. Um. Uh, do you want? Yeah. Um. On our new segment. What did the box office say? Do you want to know what it said? I do. So they released this movie um, during the pandemic. It was meant to save cinema. It didn't. Oh, yeah. As we established <laughs> at the start of this episode, it, it did not save the cinema. Um, it had a budget of $205 million, which you have to double for, for marketing. Um, yep. So we're looking at about $400 million, uh, US dollars, and it made only $359 million at the box office. So... Um, it did not break even because um, they released it during a pandemic and that's exactly what they should have expected, frankly. Yeah. Um, and that is like... Because Nolan was fighting to get this released in cinemas, wasn't he? He was like, he was no, like, this is how I've built my experience. In cinemas, yeah. And look, I get why. I think this would have been cool to see in cinemas and probably would have helped... Mm. Like seeing the spectacle I, on screen on a big screen would have really enhanced the experience, probably. The social pressure of not of like 
people being upset if I had to whip my phone out would have definitely kept me paying more attention. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with watching movies at home and a lot of criticism being put out on HBO Max um, is like you're going to, you're gonna you know, ruin movies. But if someone wants to watch a movie, they'll watch a movie. And in my experience, if someone wants to get on their phone during the cinema, they're going to and I'm going to punch them <laughs> in the back of the fucking... head. Um <laughs> Um, and like, I, I stand by and I'm going to politely ask them to get off their phone. But And if they don't, then you'll punch them in the back. Correct, right? yeah. <laughs> but the next step is like popcorn over the head, no change, punch <laughs> in the back of the head. Um, but yeah, like we've said on air before that like we are advocates of going to see movies as an experience, as like a recreational activity. Yeah. But I also like, do believe it's not, not even about watching the film itself. It's it's less about what the movie is. Obviously, you want to see a good movie, but yeah. going to the Sun Theater, uh, having an awesome Mexican meal, or going to the pub beforehand, you know, uh, going mm. to the pub afterwards and discussing mm. it with everyone over a pint. You know, that is you yeah, know that's the cinema chock top and yeah, sitting um, in nice seats. Um, yeah. it's a really good excuse to do stuff with friends, um, and people, mm. um, which is, um, so I'll be sad if cinema dies entirely, but I, I think the small theaters that are built on experience will continue, um, to thrive and, um, I will try and support them yeah. as best as I can. There's not really a little independent cinema near me. There's an Everyman, which is kind of a chain. Well, kind of a chain. Mm. They just are a chain. But they, um, yeah. but the cinema they own near me is this um, it's this really old old cinema, like built after World War Two. Oh, mm. sorry, after World War One, I, I think I don't remember now. But um, yeah, I don't think cinema's going anywhere. Not not a... no, I I don't think so. Um, we'll just have to see if other um, production companies follow suit. Disney has put mm. some big releases on Disney Plus. Mulan is now available for anyone. Soul is going up mm. there available for anyone. That's like that was Pixar's big movie of the year. Mm. Um, and that's act, well, actually, and that one that... I'm kind of sad about. That would have been a cool one to see in cinemas too. But mm. and I might still if there's an option for it. Yeah. Um, but I, like, I guess that. Be, but yeah. Because if Disney Plus instead, because Disney Plus were doing the thing where like if you pay movie ticket prices, you get to see Mulan through Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, on top of your Disney Plus subscription, whereas I think it should be more like you've you've paid your subscription, you can watch the movie once until this date. Then you can then you can watch it any any time you want, multiple times. Yeah. You know, so, something like that where it's like you've already gotten the movie ticket price out of me, so give me the movie, but uh, you know, give me a limited amount of times that I can see it or something like that, or. Um, yeah, or give me a certain amount of those things that I can watch. So if you're bringing out multiple movies in a year, I can only see one of them for yeah. free. Um, like I've used up my yearly ticket that's yeah. included in my subscription. Something yeah, that, like that. that. There's better methods. That would be all, that, mm. that would be an all right system. I, I would back that. Um, looking at the top ten um, highest grossing movies of, of the year, Tenet is number four. Um, it is, of yeah. course, the fourth movie to come out this year. So, um, <laughs> so it's all just downhill. Yeah. Is Sonic still number one? No, Sonic's fifth. Actually, it's below Tenet, but no movie broke a billion dollars this year. 
Fuck, man. I mean, that's not at all surprising. So, yeah, tweet us about what you thought of, of Tanette um, and Christopher Nolan in general and, I don't know. Anything else we've said during this episode, which is numerous things Absolutely. that were not about Tanette. Yeah. I I was worried going into this episode that we that I really wasn't going to have much to say. There's um, a lot to say in the end. I think we did. Conversation I was just, after yeah. the after the small talk. The conversation was pretty focused, <laughs> generally. Um, but yeah, so so tweet us, let us know what you think. Uh, give us uh, I don't know your thoughts on uh, I don't know. You can give us your future thoughts on Bill and Ted if you like. Maybe you know eat up some of the the tweet fodder for next week so we don't spend so much time on tweets. But we didn't this episode. I don't know. We love your tweets though. Keep tweeting we us about do. stuff. We do. We love you doing? tweets. Yeah, just, just tell us just how, how are how, you, how things are. <laughs> are you okay? Oh no! Don't open that can of worms. <laughs> no one's okay. So you don't ask how people are doing in twenty twenty. You wait till twenty twenty one when they've <laughs> when, <laughs> when got nothing's their shit changed. Together. When nothing's changed. <laughs> Yeah, can't wait to ask them how people are in 2021, and they go, ah, it's all the same. What are you doing for Christmas and the New Year's, and and New Year's week? What are you doing for New Year's week? Tweet us at VideoShopPod on Twitter. Uh, We we got slammed by one of my friends for not giving out the Twitter handle, so it's at VideoShopPod on Twitter. Did we not get, we usually give it out. We usually do, but apparently we didn't last week. Well... Also, there's a link in the description below with time codes to um, to the after the tweets. So you're welcome. <laughs> Which is what I said to, to my friend yesterday. I'm like, just look at the description. He's like, no, I don't want to have to do that. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, I uh, hope you have a good week. And we'll, we'll, we'll uh, I guess we'll see you, see you, see you nerds. Yeah. S- see you nerds. <laughs>